rest of chapter 1 today, starting in verse number 14, uh, just six verses uh, here, and uh, we'll wrap up chapter 1, and then we'll get into chapter 2 next week. Uh, verse 14 says, Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Is not uh, the meat cut off before your eyes, or our eyes, excuse me? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down, for the corn is withered. How do, you, how do the beasts groan? Uh, the herds of, the, of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Uh, Lord, I pray for your help as we continue through this book, and I pray that you'd help us again to uh, be understanding of what you're saying here and, and learn uh, from this, this book, Lord, that we would again live the way you want us to live. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember last week, two weeks ago, excuse me, we looked at the, the great plague, uh, the locusts and the canker worm and the drunk, uh, let's see, what was the other one? Palmer worm and there was one more caterpillar. Um, we have a dead caterpillar outside, in case you're wondering. Um, that happened over the lunch hour. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> nonetheless, we saw that plague come through and what the destruction that was coming and everything with it. And, and now we're looking at the call to action, um, specifically the call to humble themselves, to repent, to begin that, that call of turn away from your wickedness. And, uh, and we see it here starting in verse number 14. We see what is called for. What is called for. He says there in verse number 14, Sanctify ye a fast. Uh, set it apart. Uh, make it something unique. Sanctify ye a fast and call a, sol a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. What is this? Well, number one, it's a day of restraint from ordinary business to focus on service to God. That's the first part of it. Sanctify ye a fast. It is a call to set apart a day uh, from doing your normal activity and focusing in on service to God. It's a day of fasting, denying yourself of desire. Uh, in most cases, you talk about fasting as food, but you can fast from other things as well. But a, a, a day of fasting, again, to focus on God to take your attention away from uh, what your normal routine is, away from what is uh, uh, usual to you, and, and spend what, the time you'd normally spend eating, spend it now focusing on God. Uh, my dad's old pastor, uh, they did a, a fast leading up to uh, a revival meeting, and for the week they fasted, they did something different every day. And so one day it was, I think, I think they asked for one meal, lunch or whatever. Uh, one day it was from electronics. Uh, to stay off your electronics for the whole day and, and pray during the time you're normally on your phone or watching the television or whatever it may be for the upcoming revival and things like that. And that was a great idea. It's, it's not easy to do, especially in today's day and time, right? It's easier to skip food than it is to, to, to skip some of the other things in life. We think about, well, if I was going to fast, what would I fast from? If I'm not going to fast from food, 
Um, you know, it's like, well, I can fast for my phone. Well, I don't know about you, but I use my phone quite often. Um, not only that, I like my phone. I don't know if you're that way or not. I know some people hate their phone. If I remember right, Jared hates his phone. But um, I, I enjoy my phone. I've got, uh, I've got my social media on my phone. I've got my email on my phone. Um, I've got my fantasy sports on my phone. Um, I've got pictures of my children on my phone. Uh, I don't ever look at them because I have kids to look at. But uh, nonetheless, um, I've, got, I've got all these things on my phone that I can make all these excuses for. Now I can't, I can't fast for my phone. I have two phones. As a matter of fact, I got a work phone and a personal phone. Uh, but uh, so I can fast for my personal phone and use my work phone. But no, I'm just kidding. That's the, that wouldn't work. But um, it's that idea of setting aside something, denying yourself something, for the purpose of of uh, extra focus on God, extra conversation with God, extra dedication. To God, So that's what he's calling for here. A day of restraint, a day of fasting, a day of sincerity. He says there uh, in the gathering of things, uh, he says, gather the elders. So now you're talking about the leadership that is there. Bring them in. Uh, when, you're, you know, when you're calling in authority to be a part of something, it's usually pretty serious in most cases. You know when the judge walks into the courtroom, everybody stands and stops talking. And then everybody sits when they tell everybody to sit down. There is a sincerity that enters the room when the judge enters the room. Um, though that's the same idea. The, the general idea of this is it's a very sincere uh, 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 situation. This day that they're calling for, this fast that they're calling for, it is a day of sincerity where there's not the joking around. And listen, church doesn't have to be this way, right? You're allowed to laugh in church. I've been in churches where it felt like you weren't allowed to laugh in church. Uh, I've been in churches where you couldn't laugh because the pastor just wasn't funny, fortunately for you guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, you're supposed to laugh at that. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, but the, it's not that, that worship can't be fun. It's not that uh, um, uh, God does not have room for happiness and joy. But this situation they were entering into was a very serious situation. And so this call for this fast... It was, it was a restraint from their normal activity, a fast from their normal desire, and sincerity, a very serious situation, a very serious day where they gather the elders and everyone else as well. They also are called to go to a certain place. It's the place of worship. It said that they're going to gather into the house of the Lord. So it's into the house of the Lord, and it specifically says, Lord your God, uh, here as well. And then for the purpose, it says, cry unto the Lord. We see this throughout a number of the prophets about the idea of, hey, everybody needs to focus up here. It's just time for us all to be praying. We all need to be talking to God here. We all need to be uh, in the right place uh, here. And that's the understanding here. This was a very serious situation they were in. And so he says, sanctify ye a fast, call everybody together, come together at the house of the Lord and cry unto God. This is, this is what is being called for here in this passage. And then the second part uh, here talks about the day of the Lord. Um, there are a few differing opinions on this. Some think it's specifically a prof prophecy looking to the end times. I think there are plenty of things here that you can relate to the end times here as well. Um, I look at it more as a general day of judgment. Um, the Armageddon would be a day of judgment. So I think that's fair that this lines up with that. 
Um, but these people were also in a, in a serious situation, a judgment situation. And to be honest with you, whether you believe it or not, we are very close to a day of judgment. Whether it's the end times or it's just God saying enough with this nonsense. Um, so this is a good warning for us too. And so this day of the Lord, or if, if I may take the liberty to say a day of judgment, uh, and again, it's similar whether it's present judgment, future judgment, whatever. It doesn't matter. It all lines up the same here. Number one, I want us to see in verse 16, it says to cry because God is displeased. It says, alas for the day. Uh, the idea of, of honestly cry for the day. Understand the situation we're in here. He says, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Cry because God is displeased. When are times that we need to cry for? Uh, I'll use the word revival. Um, again, revival is a bringing back to life. So it's not raising the dead as so much as the lost. The lost don't get revived. The saved get revived. The lost get, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it. Saved. Um, they, 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 they get alive. Uh, to begin, revival is you were once alive, and then you died, and then you get brought back to life. And so revival, thinking of here God's people of, of Israel, but us, God's children, uh, Christians, when God is displeased, we better be on our knees calling to God. We ought to be calling to God. Cry because God is displeased. He says here, the day of the Lord is at hand. Uh, the judgment is here its destruction is from the Almighty. That's where it's coming from. It's not coming from the east wind. It's not coming from the locusts and the canker worms. It's not coming from a big army. It's coming from the Almighty. The Almighty is bringing the judgment. And the reality is, 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 again, whether it's Armageddon or whether it's a different kind of judgment, God is the one that's going to bring judgment on wickedness. He's always the one that brings judgment on He might use the east wind or the west wind or the whatever wind. He might use the wind. He might use storms. He might use uh, uh, part of his creation to, to, to use that, to bring that judgment. But God's the one doing the judging. So if he's displeased, we better cry unto him. Then secondly, we need to cry because of the gravity of the situation. Verse 17 and 18. It says, The seed is rot rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down. The corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? It has a, my Bible has an exclamation point. I've been asked saying it as a question. But the herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. You see the gravity of the situation that even the, the beasts of the field are, are perplexed, the word used here. They're looking around like, where do we get food? Not only are people struggling, the animals are struggling. And we see here that all of creation here in this area is, is suffering. It is a very serious situation. And so they ought to cry because of the gravity of the situation. Again, we can look at our, our world, we can look at our country, and we can just look at the situation that we're in. And it should cause us to go to our knees and cry unto God. I know I've said this a lot, and I apologize for repeating myself, but again, we're so quick to say, God, return. I don't think there's anything wrong about asking God to come back. But sometimes the motive behind it is wrong. 
We don't have compassion for the people that will be destroyed. We don't have the passion for the people that aren't, are not saved. And we're just saying, well, I'm tired of them, so God, get rid of them. Well, we're in a serious situation. We, America, the world, is in a very serious situation. If you remember back before the flood, God said their hearts are, are, uh, are, thinking, are either thinking or doing evil continually. And so he said, I'm going to destroy the world. Now, I don't know about you, but the world that I see is pretty wicked. And again, it's not new. It's been wicked for a long time. Um, but I, I do, I think about it. Anytime I read the story of the flood, I think, man, I think we're, we're pretty similar to that. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because he could not find seven righteous people in the city. And man, I sit there and look, uh, he destroyed it because of their sin, but he was going to save it if he could find seven righteous people. Couldn't. I look around our world and I think, boy, there's uh, percentage-wise, pretty low percentage. So when will God say, enough's enough? Whether it be with our country, whether it be with our world, whether it be the, the end times and Christ returns. You know, I'm not trying to preach gloom and doom, but... But we have to understand the gravity of the situation and it should bring us to our knees and to cry unto God. And then the last part here, verses 19 and 20, cry like the example of the prophet and the example of creation. He says there in verse number 19, O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. He says the beasts of the field cry also unto thee. For the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. We're going to look at similar wording in our psalm on Wednesday, but we see here the prophet says, Joel says, I'm going to cry unto you, Lord, because of the dire situation we're in, because you're displeased. Lord, I'm going to cry unto you. And he says, the beasts also cry unto you. Beasts do not have the same uh, relationship that we have with God. God loves us far more than he loves the cow in the parking lot. Although that cow may have earned some favor coming to church this morning. Uh, but God loves us. He loves humans. He loves people. That's, that's his pride and joy, so to say. But even creation says, God, this is a dire situation. God, you're displeased. God, we need your help. I find that interesting. Throughout Scripture, you'll see that from creation. You see the, the seas obey Jesus and stop storming. You see the rain hold off for years. And then you see the rain just pour because of God. You see the sun stand still and not set because of God. Creation, and it's not just obedient to God. Creation worships God. And I don't mean to give life to creation the way that, that, that we have life. But the respect that creation has to the Maker, to the Creator, God talks about throughout Scripture. And I'll tell you this much. If the beasts of the field can see the situation and according to the, what we have here in Joel, cry to God, how much more should the people see the situation and cry to God? According to the verse, the beasts, they're thirsty. 
The, the waters are dried up. There's no water. The grass is gone. Fire has destroyed it. So it says, the beasts of the field cry also unto thee. You know, I'm telling you, if you can take out the material things for a minute and think about the spiritual things, has the water dried up? When you look around uh, your house, are the spiritual waters flowing or is there a drought? When you look in, in, around your house, is, there, is the pasture green or is it dried up? And I'm telling you, if you look around your own spiritual life, your relationship with God, is it flourishing or is it withering? And if it's withering, you better be on your knees. See the situation for what it is. And we've got to be careful. Uh, we take too lightly God's patience. And we have to understand, yes, God is a loving God. But you know what? He's also a righteous God, which means He judges wrong. He hates sin. Nowhere in Scripture can you ever find a place where God says, uh, it's okay, I'll let that one pass. That's not how it works. God hates sin and He judges sin. The reason why we're reading about this in Joel is there was sin in the land. The people had gone into idolatry, they'd gone away from God, and God was bringing judgment. And the prophet here, and it's given to us by inspiration of God, says, cry to God. Get on your knees and call out to Him because He is displeased and we are in a very serious situation. And so look around the world. Maybe you see things differently than I do. But the way I see it, it's just not, it's not good. It's not new. I'm not saying that this is new, but it's not good. And we should be calling to God, crying out to God, crying to God on our behalf, crying to God on other behalfs. Uh, Lord, we need your help. Lord, we need your mercy. Lord, we need your grace. Lord, we need your patience. God, we need your healing. God, we need your blessing. And uh, that's what we have to do. So we'll look at next week. There's a warning, uh, continued warning here, and then the, the real call to repentance. I'm not sure if we'll get into that next week or not, but uh, we'll get into that one soon as well as we continue through Joel. It's been a good day. Um, good to see uh, um, some visitors here this morning. Uh, we've got some people out of town that will be back next week. I think we'll have some people out of town next week too. Um, but uh, we're getting there. We're almost to September. My goodness, can't believe it. Uh, we're already to the new budget and uh, heading into fall, all kinds of stuff going on. So, so good, good things. Uh, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessings for the rest of our day and for the week ahead. God, thank you for letting us come. Thank you for this church. Lord, just love this church. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would... I continue to use us and bless us and grow us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church. I pray us as individuals, uh, Lord, that our eyes would be open, that we would see what's, what's around us. And God, that we would be talking to you, asking you, seeking you for help. Uh, Lord, help us to be an example. Uh, help us to be leaders. Uh, help us to be right. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.